Hey folks, Matt Peters here, and it has been far too long since last we spoke. I know it's been a while since I've gotten behind the mic and spoke to you folks, but I tell you what, I'm going to make it up to you today. I've got two fantastic interviews with two amazing artists that if you don't know them already, you're going to get to know them, you're going to get to love them. The first one, he's a hip-hop legend in the making. You know him from all sorts of different things, but I'm going to let him tell it. His name is Mega Ran. I spoke to him a little while ago, right before Black Panther came out. So uh, that's kind of the vibe that you're going to get from the interview right there. Uh, you know, if you're keeping track. The second interview that I have lined up for you today, he is the writer and artist for the upcoming book from Boom Studios, Fraggle Rock, Jared Cullum. He loves the Fraggles just about as much as I do. And you're going to hear all of that in, uh, in his part of the show. Trust me, folks, you're in for a treat. Both of these guys are charismatic, very interesting. You're going to love it, but I'm not going to hype it too much. I'm going to let you hear it for yourself. Speaking of hype, C2E2 is coming up. I'm incredibly excited. I got friends coming in from out of town. Hopefully, you'll be there. I can shake your hand. I can give you a high five. I can give you a hug, whatever your choice may be. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, if you want to follow everything that's going on with me, with Chicago Nerd Social Club, with Digital Dumpster Diving, my other podcast with Dave Martin, with all the amazing projects that I have going on right now with these talented folks, follow me on Twitter at Mighty Inc. Matt. Follow Spokecast everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you can think of. So follow like all that good stuff that they say on those youtube videos uh <laughs> but anyway let's get on with the interviews first up like i said the one and only mega ran ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in i'm matt peters and i'm here with a very special guest this evening you know him as random or mega ran how you doing sir Yo, what's going on, Matt? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm great, actually. This is uh, <laughs> this is kind of cool, man. I'm, I'm happy to be sitting down with you. We're here at uh, Emporium Arcade Bar here in Chicago, Illinois. Mm -hmm. uh, you are about to go up in a little while. Yes. So I appreciate you taking time out to talk to me, actually. No problem, man. So on, on that note, um, I know that you used to actually be a teacher. Uh, do you find yourself getting that nervous energy more in front of a classroom or in front of a crowd of hip-hop heads? I feel like it's the same now, you know, <laughs> similar, similar energy, similar nerves, like, but I do feel like teaching gave me all the tools I needed to become a, a good performer. So if you're able to convince a group of skeptical teenagers, then, uh, then you can, you can do anything, I think. So, right on, right on. So once I've been able to, you know, find success in that field, I knew that I could, I could apply those things to make us make music work for me. Very cool, very cool. Now, I, I first uh, became aware of your music uh, via the uh, the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 mixtape back in 09. Oh, man. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about how that, that was? That was awesome. Uh, first of all, the way it even came together was crazy. Uh, 2009 was the first year I ever went to E3. And um, when I was there, I was at the Capcom booth hanging out, playing some games. And I already had a relationship with Capcom, but not like a huge relationship. And I saw a bunch of rappers there, like rappers I really looked up to were at their booth. Raekwon the Chef, mm. um, uh, Talib Kweli, and some others. And I was like, what are all these rappers doing here? And they're like, oh, well, you didn't hear, you didn't hear we're doing a Marvel vs. Capcom mixtape. And I was like, and you guys didn't call me? <laughs> Why did you not call me? And they're like, well, you know, if you, uh, if you want to come up with a, a song for it, I would love to have you on it. But it's got to be done by, like, Sunday. 
Oh. And this was like Thursday. Mm. And I'm like, uh oh. All right, I gotta get to work then. So I went home that night, and I wasn't even at my house. I was at a hotel, and I just started writing. And I called my friend at home, like, yo, let's work on this beat. Let's get it going. And then when I came home Saturday, I recorded Saturday, had it to them late night Saturday, and they put me on the uh, on the mixtape. And I'm I'm honored. The song "Remainder" is one with uh, Storyville Blaze Rock is one of my favorite tracks that we've done. Right on. That is a great track. Now you mentioned some hip hop legends. Who are some of your rap influences? Well, uh, LL Cool J is probably my favorite of all time. Right on. Just just uh, you know his perseverance and. Um, Ability to stay relevant as well as uh, just versatility, and I think that those things are so important. Um, uh, I like Nas a whole lot, um, Jay Z, uh, MF Doom, um, oh, yeah. you know, Outkast, Tribe Called Quest, Guru, Gangstar. Um, I like guys who are able to give you some lessons as well as like some great beats and great rhymes. You know, I think that that's important. <clears throat> Definitely, man, and you know. People who listen to your music, they they see that you do have like a positive message overall when Thank you rap. How how did you land on what you wanted to communicate through your music? Mm. Well, I just wanted to be that positive light <clears throat> for kids who didn't have necessarily have it because I didn't have it growing up. So people ask me like, "Man, what was my inspiration?" And my only inspiration was just to hopefully be in a world where kids wouldn't have to come up like I did. Yes, you know, struggling or you know without a without a strong, you know, two-parent household or a uh, strong male role model and things like that. Um, and that's really all. I just wanted to try to leave the world a little bit better than how I found it. That's that's my whole mission statement. And um, I want to try to be those things that, that weren't there for me. Like, I, w- I want to make sure that the kids today have those resources <clears throat> and they can be like, when somebody says, man, you can't make positive rap music. It doesn't work. And then they can say, well, look at Mega Ran, you know? And, uh, and that's really all I want. I just want somebody to be like, he's the positive example, you know? Right on, right on. <clears throat> now, of course, folks that aren't really uh, too familiar with your sound, uh, they may not know, like, of course, your name, Mega Ran, comes from Mega Man, the Capcom connection there. Um, you talk about a variety of topics in your music. You talk about gaming, wrestling, sci-fi. Um, speaking of wrestling, I see that you just came back from Japan, actually. You were at the New Japan show? I was. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12 was probably the best wrestling show I've ever watched. Uh, hands down, it was just amazing seeing Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, uh, just great action. And the Japanese crowd just really appreciates the art. And and U.S. crowds, I feel like, want to be more a part of the show mm-hmm. rather than just enjoy the show. And so it was a welcome change to see a crowd that just kind of sits, claps when they're supposed to clap, boos when they're supposed to boo, cheer when they're supposed to cheer, and go home and have a good time. Right, right. It seems like they just really know their part in the whole thing mm-hmm. over in Japan, and that's kind of cool. That's a that's a different look, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, you don't get really too many what chance over there. No, 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 no. There's no what's happening. <laughs> no, 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 no. So speaking of wrestling, you know, imagine my surprise when I was watching Raw a little while ago, and I saw you pop up on the screen with the New Day. <laughs> so my question is, when are we going to see you? Uh, performing them out to the ring, or oh fly out gosh. to the ring, or riding unicorns. Out Dude, the ring. Uh, man, I hope soon. I would say uh, this is something kids should write letters to uh, to the WWE about <laughs> because I would love to see it. And you know, I feel like if enough people want it, things like that can happen. But um, I'm just happy to be a part of anything those guys do. Xavier Woods is a good old friend of mine who who always tells me, man, anytime I can help you out, I will do that. Like, and that's really all you can ask for from a friend who says, look, I'm gonna do what I can and like squeeze you into into my world and and whenever I'm around him and the other wrestlers he's like that's the guy I was telling you about that's the rap guy 
that does the uh, the cool like eight bit stuff, and they're like, oh, you like Samoa Joe is like, oh yeah, you you're the guy, <laughs> you know. And so I really enjoy those conversations. So I appreciate that. Right on. So who knows what the future holds? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of them. I, I love the fact that they're just genuine guys out yeah. on the screen. You know, like you see a lot of different uh, African American characters portrayed in media, and it's always the same vein. But they broke free of that, and they really tried to do something unique, just like yeah. yourself. So that's cool to see that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been. I tell them all the time that it's such a such an inspiration, just to be like, why can't we just be funny, smart, intelligent, witty guys who are just happy to be there, you know? Like, and really, I think they're helping to, to kind of change the mold of big, muscle-headed wrestlers, and you know, just being a big dumb jock. You know, these guys are all smart and and uh, and fun. So. There's always room for that. Right on, right mm-hmm. on. Now, I see you have shows coming up with Samus, with Open Mike Eagle, uh, None Like Joshua. Who, who's somebody that you just love collaborating with when you're uh, performing? Uh, definitely Samus. I feel like we have a great um, energy. We kind of feed off each other well. Um, not a lot of people, I think, can understand where I come from. You know what I mean? A, being like a black nerd, being a you know musician, being a guy who's come from academia, you know, and there's not a lot of people, but I think Samus is probably like she's always I always call her like my rap sis because she's the person who completely understands we come from the same exact situations and cloth. We both have African ancestry, so same thing where it's like we talk about African parents and and all the different things we can relate on, and um and I think that 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 shows when we perform together, when we do songs together, when we uh, do concerts or tours together. It always shows and. I think it's important to be around people you like and that you can learn from. Right on. I, I know that you uh, are going to be traveling a lot in the near future. On Instagram, uh, actually, you posted a book that you're reading in mm-hmm. your travels, uh, Beautiful Struggle by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm-hmm. How are you liking that so far? I, I really, um, I dig mm-hmm. his work. I like his work, too. Um, I'm kind of going backwards. I started with Between the World and Me. Yes. That's what I read, and now I'm reading this one. Um, and they're two very different books. But um, I feel like it's my life story, man. Like, he's an East Coast kid talking about all the different things of watching kung fu flicks and wrestling. And just, like, seeing kids get caught up in the street life and drugs and gangs and, and being the total opposite of that. You know, him being, like, a just kind of gangly kid who didn't fit in to that, that street life. And that was me, you know, coming up. So I, I see a lot of myself in the book. And uh, it's it's... It's, it's a good feeling. Also, it brings back some, you know, not so great memories, but I think that's what a great writer does. And um, I love his writing style. It's great. It's it's humorous. It's also hopeful. It's real. And uh, so I really appreciate Ta-Nehisi Coates' work. Yeah, same here. I, I, I went the other direction. I started with Between the World and Me, and I went to... Um, we were eight years in power, ah, which okay. is a collection of his essays throughout uh, Obama's presidency. Yes, which is an interesting read for sure. Okay. You know, just to see where he started and where he ended up. Mm. So I got to go back and read uh, "Beautiful Struggle." But of course, most people know him right now for his work on Black Panther. Yeah, and of course, everybody is super excited about the Black Panther movie. Uh, Wait, there's a Black Panther movie coming out? I think I heard something about that. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that's going to be really popular. I guess we should uh, look into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we should look into that. So when you do have free time, what are you uh, What are you playing? What's been your favorite thing lately? Well, I'm hooked on Monster Hunter World. Um, yeah. Before that, it was Destiny. Um, but, man, I'm just, I can't get enough of Monster Hunter. Um, I don't, I'm not a team game player a lot, but I got together with some friends. We played in a party, and we just really had a good time. And I was like, man, this is like, 
bonding activities, you know, like we're, we're becoming closer as friends yeah. because we're working together. So it worked out really well. And I, the game is almost flawless. I love Monster Hunter World. It's so good. Man, I'm going to have to check it out. Well, as you could hear, folks, things were getting a little nutty at Emporium. Mega Ran is in demand. What can I say? If you're demanding more from Mega Ran, if you want to hear his unique sound, you can check him out. Matt Mania, New Orleans, April 6th for WrestleMania weekend. Of course, he's going to drop some bars about what's going on at WrestleMania and just wrestling in general. He's got full albums. Check it out on Spotify. Uh, my next guest is Jared Cullum, who is working on the offerings at Boom Studios. You know, I'm just kind of taken aback because the world of Jim Henson is just so robust. It's amazing to think about the care and the love that goes into it. And you can really hear that in this interview uh, that I had with Jared. So check it out. You're going to love it. I'm going to stop saying that. Ladies and gentlemen, Jared Cullen. You may know him from his previous work with Arkea on Jim Henson's Labyrinth and Jim Henson's Storyteller Giants. Uh, if you've seen his work, you love his work, his name is Jared Cullum, ladies and gentlemen. How are you, Jared? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. So for those unfamiliar with your work, you seem to have an ever-evolving style. But what really jumps off the page is the emotion that uh, you express through your watercolor work. I look at these single images and they just they tell an entire story just in the eyes alone. It's kind of cool. It's obvious this is the result of years of work. How, how did you get started? Yeah, I, well, it's it definitely it's just definitely taken a long time. And um, uh, I mean, I, I have sort of the same story I've, I've I've run across with a lot of people who work in comics and uh, or or in animation. I I drew when I was a kid. I, I was never really I was never really um, talented though. I've never really had any sort of particular skill with drawing or painting, but um, I was interested in it at least when I was a kid. I liked doing it, and um, but about 16, I didn't think there was any future in it, so I quit. And uh, I went to school for graphic design because I wanted to do something creative, but uh, also safe because I had thought about trying to do illustration, but I didn't really understand. It was all sort of a nebulous world. I didn't really get or understand how you get any kind of money out of it. So I figured there was money in, in graphic design at least. And I got married pretty young at 21. And so I was concerned about, you know, having some stability. So I kind of chased after graphic design, but I was awful at it in school. <laughs> and, uh, and I never really got good at it. And then I graduated and I got at a job, in graphic design, which was fine. And I was totally happy and, and it's a great, uh, practice, but I just was never really good at it. And, and it, it never really like caught my heartstrings like, like drawing did. And, um, so about 25 or 26, I started, uh, talking to a friend and she was like, Oh, you should check out, you know, she really loves and collects comics and graphic novels. And she was like, you should check out a couple of these books. And she showed me a graphic novel, and I had no idea. I didn't read comics when I was a kid, and I I didn't know any of that stuff existed. Um, but I was I was fixated on animation as a as a kid, um, and uh, particularly Don Bluth movies. Oh yeah, uh, like Five O Goes West and and uh, Secret of Nim and and so um, she showed me Blankets by Craig Thompson, and um, I just totally like cracked my mind open. I just I had no idea that kind of thing was possible. I, I had never thought about it. And then it just sort of like it ignited this hunger and I started drawing and, and I was really passionate about it. And, and I just sort of went all in on it and, and became obsessed. And 
and um, would ask people, how can I get better? People I knew who were illustrator, illustrators who I'd met over time. And uh, every time I would get advice, I would go just like, you know, chase it for hours and hours a day. And, and then uh, I never had any interest in painting either, which is funny. If you had asked me if uh, I'd be painting you know, especially traditional comics or anything, I would have told you that that it's not what I did. I was, I wanted to be a comic artist, not like a, you know, like a painter or whatever. Like that was a whole other world that I had no interest in either. Mm -hmm. And then, um, a couple years ago I was trying to just sort of develop by doing various mediums. So I was like, well, I'll pick up a watercolor box and like get a cheap one and I'll just try to like color that way a little bit, learn a little bit about that and then jump right back into inking and, and, uh, the rest of it. And so, I got into using that box and I started doing master studies and I started reading about painting. And then I just sort of like, at the time I was doing a web comic and, um, and, and I loved doing it and I loved the community I met through doing it. But, um, I, I feel like I had kind of hit a wall with drawing and I was still developing in skill. You could see it's not on the internet anymore. You're you talking see about a um, pea green coffee cup, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see a hugely different uh, um, way of drawing and thinking about drawing when I was doing that. So, I um, when I got kind of fixated on painting, you know, I just had wanted to dip my toe in it. But I, when I did that, I realized it's like this whole other universe of of stuff. I mean, you could just pursue that the rest of your life. You could pursue comics the rest of your life, and and never hit the back wall. It's just this, it's like a whole universe, you know? So I, um, I tried to dip my toe in, in traditional painting uh, with watercolor. And then I just sort of got lost and I left the, uh, the web comic and just, I started taking, uh, doing figure drawing three, four times a week, you know, a couple hours, you know, three, four hour sessions. And I started doing academic drawing. I guess you'd call it that. So I started doing, Online classes like Watts Atelier and New Masters Academy and Schoolism has it. And uh, and I would just focus on getting up and just drawing for hours and hours and hours doing what I had been doing was just sketchbooks where I would draw only in ink and no eraser. But I started doing value studies and then and that it all just sort of I, I focused on value for a long time and focused on just traditional portraits. And and um, I would go to the library and get all of the paint, you know, Sargent and Winslow Homer and all the greats um and i would just open them up and i have still working in graphic design at the time and i had a desk with a pull-out part in it and i would have the page open with a couple tabs in it and every time i got a break uh or like you know if if i was running a, a large print job or if i was uh, on lunch or something or i would come in a couple hours early and i would pull out the the desk drawer and i would have little like business card size taped off areas and I would just copy page after page. It was kind of the same way I started to learn comics, which was yeah. just to copy uh, my heroes. And, um, and that's how I learned how to paint. And then now I, I couldn't imagine doing anything, but um, they sort of, I sort of hooked back to comics and then I found this middle ground with a, a personal book I'm working on still that's going to come out with top shelf where I had pitched it around to people and was like, I'm trying to do this traditional painted, you know, long form graphic novel. And I had a story and I had talked to a couple publishers and I had just at a certain point, I had just pitched it to people. And, um, and the, uh, 
Cameron, the guy from 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 Boom and Arkea, uh, contacted me and was like, "Hey, we don't right now have any interest or room for your, you know, the, this big personal project you're working on, um, but we like this whole thing you're chasing, and and you know, we might have some room for you with this Jim Henson project." And that's kind of how I got in with with them. Was was, you know, I that's something I always try to talk to students about. Is is uh, through basically through rejection, I was able to kind of get in. So, you know, you always have to take take rejection as as a, a possible good thing. You know, definitely, definitely. And you you mentioned that you got a lot of work done during your lunch break, and it seems like that's when you get the most work done that you're passionate about is during that lunch break, right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and then we have kids. I have kids. I have two now, and so, you know, with kids, you you, you just you work when you can. Every you can. I've I've done a lot of my son or my daughter in a, in a vesting or in my life or, or, uh, to me or just sketching them or, you know, trying to put them in bed and, and, uh, it's with kids, but you just sort of, you know, you work every chance. You get. I don't get to watch TV or, uh, play video games or anything. All I do is every, every minute I have that's myself. I work. Oh, wow. I yeah. Love doing that's cool. That's good that you're doing something you love. So I, I do have to ask, were you a, um, you mentioned Don Bluth that you're a big fan of his work. Um, were you a fan of any of the Jim Henson projects growing up, like Fraggle Rock or just the Muppet Show oh, in general? Yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's, they were, they were huge when I was a kid and, uh, Fraggle Rock was big when I was a kid. I missed it, um, when it was initially out and, and coming out. I was pretty young then and, and, or I mean, I was really, I was, really young when it, when it first came out but it, even as i was a kid it was on hbo and we didn't have hbo and yeah. then um we would in the 90s we would watch it and watch the reruns um i'm not sure where it was but we or maybe we had it at that point i don't remember but i remember watching it with my brother and uh regularly and i and i really liked it i think the one of my favorite things about fraggle rock in particular i would watch it and i watched storyteller i loved um storyteller and uh I liked Labyrinth a lot, although it kind of scared me. Dark Crystal scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid, and I I didn't even really <laughs> give it a chance until I was an adult because I was just like, N- no, the <laughs> it just like creeped me out when I was a kid, and that's all I could remember. Yeah, it's crazy um, to think about like the Muppets in general. Like, yeah, they could be cute, they could be adorable, but man, they right. could really just turn up the intensity when they wanted to. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's that's what I loved about. I think what I love now as an adult about Fraggle Rock is I watched it when I was a kid, and of course it meant a lot to me. Obviously, the songs meant a lot to me. You know, I still remembered some going back through them. But then when when they Arkea had contacted me about doing this project, as I've done with every project with them, I went through like a period of you know like a, a week or so from hey, are you interested uh, to to trying to accept. I would, I just spent like every hour of the day, I pulled, I got every episode of Fraggle Rock and I just started from the beginning and just watch, watch, watch just to study and try to get used to the characters and stuff. And what amazes me about Fraggle Rock in particular and, and Dark Crystal and, and Labyrinth and the others, they mean a lot to me too as an adult, but Fraggle Rock in particular, there's just something really, really three dimensional about the characters. They, they have uh, they have flaws and they make wrong decisions and that's not what the whole episode is about. It's just something that's like a byproduct of their character and I think that's so interesting because that's how people are and that's how the Muppets are too. But with the Fraggles, you know, 
they may not make the best decision and it, it's just it's just sometimes it's just part of who they are and it makes them so relatable and you can connect so well to them and then just the fact that like they're fun and they have these songs that are really really good and 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 fun songs but then like occasionally it would just like sucker punch you with this like emotional like heavy weight episode it would just like that even as an adult like i can't i'll sometimes just stop what i'm doing and think about an episode of Fraggle Rock <laughs> and go, man it really like hit me like a ton of stuff i just like i like wear the lesson and and to to be able to do that is is just like a a, a strange lightning in a bottle uh, uh, thing. This one episode, Moki and the Muse, just I, I still stop sometimes and think about it. It's a really heavy concept for a kid show that, as a adult watching it, was just like you know jaw to the floor. You know, really hit me. And then that's that that one in particular. I'll stop sometimes and think about. It. I'm just like, man, that was a good episode. <laughs> Yeah, they, they 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 did have a lot that really just drove the point home well without overdoing it, and that's that's what's right. always cool about the uh, the Jim Henson uh, product. You know, you're, you're getting a lesson, but you don't know it was a lesson until you get it. That's always kind of right. cool. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, um, I know that of course the Jim Henson Company and Arkea have had a working relationship for quite some time. Is is there like a specific um, Bible that you have to? make sure not to go against or did they give you like a specific direction to go in with the story? No. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure there is an unspoken one. Um, I have editors and then, and they have, I guess you call them editors or, or creative directors. Mm. And so whenever they come up like with, for Fraggle Rock, I'm writing this one. And then for the storyteller one, I wrote that, but then they, uh, the Labyrinth Project I did, I worked with a writer, which was really fun because I just kind of got to play in the sandbox and not worry about building it. Mm -hmm. And so um, the worlds are really well established. And and I haven't really had any problem because I, I like I said, I, I do an intense amount of research to make sure I'm, I'm within the world before I get started on trying to write or paint um, the concepts, but basically the way it works is they say, Hey, we, if you're interested or have time, we've got this project. Do you have a couple ideas? And then I'll put together a couple ideas and, uh, three or four and submit it. And then my editors will say, okay, so, you know, this one, this one's good, but I don't know that this would happen or, you know, I'm not sure that this tracks well towards the end and then I'll, I'll edit it. And then they'll submit that to the Jim Henson people and then they'll make changes. Um, uh, you know, like, you know, to making sure everything is sort of in line or with the labyrinth one, I had drawn all these different goblins. So, you know, we submitted them to make sure it was that they were okay, that they were part of, they were able to be part of that world and not sort of break the rules, you know, in any way. So there's a sort of a, there's a wall to get through, but I do, I do everything I can on my end to study and make sure that I'm, I'm working within that frame before going nuts and trying to come up with some crazy thing, you know, that's really cool. And that, that speaks a lot to the, uh, the lasting power of, um, just this, the, uh, the fraggles in general. I mean, it's, it's 35 years later and yeah. people are still clamoring for more. And it's, it's not like we're getting consistent 
Fraggle Rock material either. Is there was the Ben Folds right. uh, video, which was excellent. Um, you know, the cartoon spinoff, of course, Christmas thing. Right, right. Years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, folks are just really clamoring for more Fraggle Rock. So it's cool that, uh, I've noticed that Yeah, it's sort of nerve wracking to be, if I can be totally frank with you, <laughs> not nerve wracking, but like, cause it means a lot to me. And, uh, which is funny cause I would say like, oh, I love the Fraggles and it does mean a lot to me. And I would love for stuff to come out. But then that research period of watching, rewatching Fraggles and I was like, holy moly, I didn't realize how much this means to me. And then when they made the announcement, um, just to be totally honest, um, I've just had a lot more social media interaction because of this one than I have the other ones. I don't know, you know, I, I know obviously Labyrinth has a, a really big following, and um, and and so does Dark Crystal and the other projects, but Fraggles in particular, I've had the most people like contact me or say just how much Fraggle Rock meant to them, and and it's kind of it's a little bit weighty in, in a sense that I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to mess this up. Like there's some, <laughs> there's some <laughs> obviously like it doesn't just mean a lot to me. Like there's, there's this, I'm, I've sort of, I'm, I'm seeing this whole world now and I, and I, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to you know, <laughs> make them happy at least. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I mean, just the artwork alone that I've seen from the preview images looks amazing. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure all the other fans are looking forward to it as well. So, of course, Jared, I'm going to let you get back to it. But what's the cool. best way for folks to find your work? Uh, well, uh, I'm on the Instagram and the Twitter. I, I kind of am on Facebook, but I don't I don't do too much on it. But Instagram, it's you can just look me up by name on both. And then, uh, of course, I have like a blog and then I do uh, painting tutorials, uh, traditional like I haven't done a lot with comics or applying it yet. I plan to eventually do applying traditional paintings of comic sort of lessons, but I do a lot of uh, just how to sketch from observation or paint from observation with gouache and oil and watercolor. So, but that's all on YouTube. Um, but yeah, you can find me on the social stuff and definitely. And folks, if you get a chance, go on his Tumblr and look at these amazing works of art that he's creating from the front seat of his car with watercolors. Oh. It's like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. So, <laughs> Hey man, that's the thing with kids. I, I wouldn't if I could, uh, but I, I got to get it in when I can. And, and a lot of times it's just when they nap. <laughs> That's the one place that they'll consistently nap. Yes. Any any place can be an office if you believe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Jared. Thank you so much for joining me. Sir. Thanks for having me.